Well, good morning and welcome to The Grove and for this very first Sunday in Lent. Now, if you're kind of new to the liturgical seasons, Lent is this season leading us into the celebration of Easter. It's 40 days plus a couple of Sundays that we are supposed to spend uh, reflecting. It's a time of preparation. It's a time of self-examination. Maybe you experienced Lent growing up as a time when you weren't allowed to have chocolate or you were supposed to give up sweets or maybe even you were so bold as to give up something like caffeine for Lent, something I could never do personally. But we kind of associate Lent with this period of denial. But really the goal of Lent is just to help us focus in on, to kind of reprioritize and to draw closer to God and our relationship with God. And so there's a whole bunch of tools that we can use to help us throughout the season of Lent. And, you know, over the last several weeks in our most recent sermon series, Essentialism, we talked about many of those practices. And that was intentional. We wanted to begin to equip you to give you some resources to add to your toolkit that would help you during this season of Lent begin to refocus, to reprioritize, and to ultimately draw closer to God uh, as it culminates on Easter Sunday. And so what we're going to do over the next several weeks is we're going to kind of go on a journey together during the season of Lent, and we'll do so through the Gospel of John. Now, it's kind of been a a tradition and a rhythm here that during the season of Lent, we'll walk through and work through one of the Gospels. And this year, we, we are looking at the Gospel of John in particular. Now, the Gospel of John is a little bit different than all of the other Gospels because it approaches things in a different way. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, those are called the synoptic gospels. And the reason that they're kind of grouped together under that term, the synoptic gospels, is because they all kind of approach the life of Jesus through a similar lens. But the gospel of John is a little bit different. It's often referred to as the spiritual gospel. And the reason for that is, is pretty simple. The gospel of John is, is explicit in the claims that it makes about who Jesus is. It's explicit in the way that it presents Jesus as the Son of God, as God in flesh here on earth. And it invites us into an experience and an encounter with this very real God who John is convinced can change our lives forever. And so what you notice in the Gospel of John that maybe you don't see in the other Gospels is instead of kind of these short, pithy teachings and sayings and statements by Jesus that you find in Matthew, Mark, and Luke and the Gospel of John, you have these longer kind of monologues and discourses by Jesus uh, revealing very overt claims about his own divinity and who he is and what he's calling his followers into in terms of a relationship and discipleship to Jesus. And so the Gospel of John is pretty interesting. But if we had to kind of boil down and summarize the Gospel of John into kind of one theme, into one idea— And this is what we've done in this sermon series, and you'll kind of see as we unpack it week after week, is the Gospel of John is really concerning itself with answering one specific question, one question that it wants us to wrestle with, one question that it's encouraging and uh, attempting to help us answer in our own lives. It's a question that is asked throughout the, the book of John, throughout the pages of the stories, it's a question that you see the characters in the Gospel of John wrestling with and coming to their own conclusions and answers to. And this question is really simple. It's who is this man? Referencing kind of our understanding of who is Jesus. This is what the Gospel of John is all about. It's about attempting to help us answer, to convince us of who is this man. Now, sometimes questions seem a little obvious. 
They can sometimes be a little uh, seemingly simplistic and in, in many ways kind of questions like who is this man might feel a little kind of boring and rote. For many of us, if you've grown up in church, you probably have some quick response to, some answer to the question, who is this man as it pertains to the person of Jesus? I know that I do. I mean, I immediately kind of come up with this Sunday school answer about Jesus as the Son of God or some short, simple kind of uh, summarization of all of the different parts of my faith that relate to Jesus. And, and that's one thing, but I think really good questions, really important questions have an ability to be far more complicated below kind of their seemingly simple um, surface or veneer. And I think the question that John is working us through, the question that John is causing us to wrestle with throughout his gospel and in our own lives is, is one of these types of questions. I think it's a good question. I think it's probably the most important question that you can ask yourself. It's probably the most important question that you can wrestle with in your entire life is who is this man? Because on the surface, we might have some simple Sunday school answer, but based on our answer, it has huge and far-reaching implications for our life. Because over any figure throughout the, the entirety of human history, nobody has been debated about the identity, the authority, the validity. Nobody has been debated more than the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Throughout centuries, we have seen people wrestle with, write treaties on, you know, create lasting orations about the answer to this question, who is this man? Because for some people, Jesus is just, he's just a historical figure. He's somebody that has, you know, kind of dominated Western civilization for the last 2,000 years. We see kind of the impact and the effects of Jesus's life in, you know, reflected in art and in literature and in architecture and in political thought. Jesus is just somebody who, because of kind of the effects of his following, has somehow managed to be the most dominant figure in the last 20 centuries of Western civilization. For some of us, Jesus is just this person who has been able to create the cross into the single most recognizable icon or symbol in the history of the world. But, but he stops there. He's no more than that. He's just a significant historical figure. His you know, historical validity is undisputable, but for many people, their understanding of who Jesus is, their answer to the question, who is this man, just concludes with kind of this significant, influential, impactful figure across the course of kind of human history over the last 2,000 years. That's, that's some people's answer. Other people take a, a different answer. Maybe they recognize that part, but they'll add a little bit more, and they recognize the significance of Jesus's moral philosophy, Jesus as a kind of a teacher of ethics, as a way of living. They, they won't go any further than that, but They have to acknowledge the impact that Jesus has had on the evolution of moral philosophy and the way that we treat and understand um, all categories of, of humans. What you see with Jesus is this radical improvement, this radical increase in the ethical moral treatment of people who at the time were considered um, marginalized, who were on the fringes of society. So whether it was the sick and infirmed and diseased, 
You see Jesus encountering with them, restoring human dignity into their lives. It was Jesus elevating the status of women to equal to that of men, which even today we still struggle to fully integrate into all facets and categories of life. But at the time that Jesus does this, it is a radical departure from the way that people understood the categories of of status in society. Jesus also elevates the role of children, the significance and the importance of children. Let the little children come unto me. He creates space. He creates opportunity for children to be recognized as equals, as adults, which was not done in that time period. Even in the ways that Jesus' moral teachings and and understandings about the, the equality across all races is something that we are still working to unpack, to understand, and to even uphold in our society today. All of this we trace back to Jesus. So even if Jesus is a little bit more than just an important historical figure, even if he is maybe the most influential figure in terms of the evolution of morality and ethical thought, for many people that's, that's, that's their answer to the question, who is this man? And they stop there. But where John would take us, and where I hope that we go throughout the course of this sermon series, is to not stop with Jesus as a historical figure, to not stop with Jesus as just a significant, important, moral, and ethical teacher, but something more, something deeper, something more significant. And this is the place that, for many of us, we believe that we're at, but it's the implications of this belief that I think we have to wrestle with. See, John makes an overt claim that Jesus is the revelation of God. Jesus is God in flesh. God who has come down in human form to interact with and to reveal the nature of God to humanity. And for many of us, we we can come to this place and say, yeah, I believe that Jesus is God or the Son of God or any of the different descriptors or names that we use to kind of uh, recognize and signify the divinity of Jesus. But John reveals something a little bit further uh, in this understanding of Jesus as, as God. And so John kind of answers his question that he asks throughout the entire gospel. Who is this man? The one that he asks again and again and again throughout the course of his writings. He answers it towards the very end of his gospel. In John chapter 20, verse 31, this is what John says about why he's writing this gospel, about the answer to the question that he is wanting us to wrestle with and wanting us to ask. And this is what he says. He says, but these things are written, all of the gospel that has come before this, all of the stories, all of the interactions, all of the teachings, all of the sayings, all of the miracles and signs, all of the historical details and facts that John shares with us. He kind of lumps all of it together. And he says, but these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you will have life in his name. Now, maybe you've heard that before, but that is kind of the synthesis, the summarization, the reason why John is writing this gospel, that that all of these things are written to help convince us, to help us answer the question and begin to believe that Jesus is the Christ, he's the Son of God, and that by believing, we can have life in his name. But we need to unpack what John means here. Because for many of us, we just stop at the first layer of belief that Jesus is the Son of God. 
You see, in the Greek, this word belief is translated in the word pistuo. And it kind of has two dimensions to it. The first dimension is really just this knowing, this intellectual understanding, um, this knowledge about somebody else. We experience this in our everyday lives. If you have a friend or you have a relationship, you know things about the other person. You know what matters to them. You know what makes them tick. You know their values, their priorities. As you get to know them better, you, you begin to know their preferences, um, their motivations, their fears, their hopes, their dreams. These are all the things that we can know about somebody. And this, this kind of Greek word believe incorporates a lot of that. And John's saying part of this is the goal to help you know about Jesus, to know his values, his priorities, the way that he sees the world, his orientation to how we are supposed to live, what he thinks that we should do in our own lives. This is all part of what it means to know or to believe that Jesus is the son of God. But John takes it a little bit further because we're supposed to believe that he's the son of God. We're supposed to know this fact about him. But it also has a deeper, um, more significant dimension to it. it. The second dimension is one that helps us understand that it's not just something we can know intellectually, but it's something that we begin to stake our life on. It's something that we begin to put our hope in, that we begin to trust in, that we begin to live our life in the manner of. And we again see this also in some of our relationships. Your closest relationships, you can know a lot about somebody, but your deepest, most significant relationships, those begin to influence the way that you live your life as well. Based on somebody's values and priorities, if you're close enough, they can begin to influence your own values and priorities. Based on their hopes and fears, their aspirations, they can begin to influence the things that you want to move towards in your own life. They make you reflect on how you're living and make you begin to reevaluate what you prioritize and the way that you are wanting to live your life. This is the impact of a relationship upon somebody. You do this for the people you're closest to and the people that you're closest to do it to you. This is maybe most obvious in a parent-child relationship. You are trying to impart a, a, a code of ethics, a lifestyle, a pattern of thinking and feeling and living in the world. And John's saying, when you really begin to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, these things will happen. You'll know about him. You'll know details about him. You'll understand how he would respond in situations. But that knowledge would begin to transform into wisdom into application, into how that you're supposed to live your life, the way that you're supposed to conduct your life, the way that you should organize your values and priorities, the way that you spend your time and your resources. It informs every factor and facet and, and category of our life. This is what John's helping us understand, that we are supposed to stake our entire lives on this knowledge that Jesus is the Son of God, to place all of our hope and all of our trust in it. Imagine, if you will, kind of a, a canyon. And spanning across the canyon is a, is a bridge. It's a suspension bridge. And it's one of those kind of you see in the movies that's just like the rope and a couple of the wood planks, and you see it spanning across this chasm. And well, you could know all, a lot of facts about the bridge, how long it's been there, who built it, maybe a little bit about its supposed structural integrity, that's one category of believing. That's that first category that John's talking about. But the second category is the one where you place your trust in it. 
you begin to actually demonstrate your willingness to believe in it. That means stepping out onto the bridge, risking your life, staking your life on the ability of the bridge to hold the weight of your life, of you. This is what John's trying to communicate in this statement, that, that he wants us to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, by staking the weight of our life, all of our choices, all of our actions, all of our, of our behaviors on the way that Jesus is instructing us to live, on who Jesus is and the way that he reveals God to us, that it impacts us and impacts us in such a way, and this is where John goes last, is that we find life in him. Now, this idea of finding life in Jesus is not limited to the afterlife. It's not about this special golden ticket that we get to go to heaven once we die. It's not about suspending any type of benefit of our belief in Jesus until the moment of death. It includes that, but it's not limited to that for John. This idea of life that we find in Jesus is about a quality. It's about a character. It's about a depth and significance of life, an abundance of life here and now in the way that we can live in a way that helps us participate in the life of God. It's the way that helps us live into the kind of the plan or the example for how God wants us to live. And what John's trying to convince us of is that when you begin to truly understand, when you begin to truly trust in who Jesus is, it'll influence every part of how you live. But the result of that influence, the result of the change in behavior, the result of the way that you begin to pattern your life after Jesus, the way that you begin to live like Jesus based on your understanding of who he is, John says it leads you to a place of unbelievable, unimaginable abundance of life. And again, we've talked about this in times before here at the church. It's not just about the fact that maybe everything will go well for you, that you'll get the next promotion, you'll win the lottery, you'll have the big house and the fancy. No, that's not the type of abundance that John is talking about here. This understanding of abundant life is about discovering kind of this sweet spot, getting into the flow and a rhythm of life that is deeply anchored, it's grounded, it's a way to stay present and centered, it's emotionally robust and healthy, it's a significant depth of spirituality. You know those seasons and moments in your life where everything just seems to be just right where you feel grounded, you feel balanced, you have an abundance of compassion or peace or presence or calmness amidst all of the uncertainty or all of the chaos in your life. This is the type of life that John is inviting us into, the type of life that John hopes that we can discover based on our answer to the question, who is this man? Because for John, once we realize who Jesus is, once we begin to know who he is, there should be no other conclusion than to be willing to live our life as he lived his life, to follow after him, to pattern our life in the example that he gives us. And John's saying that is the way that you can discover an abundant type of life. And so this is the whole point of the Gospel of John is to help us wrestle with this question, who is Jesus? And it's not just this abstract kind of generalized question that we as a church are going to ask or the Christian faith is trying to ask. It's a very personal question to you as you think about your family, 
as you think about the way that you want to conduct yourself in business or lead your organization, as you think about your most personal and intimate relationships, as you think about your hidden fears and motivations, your deepest desires, is your answer to the question of who is this man informing those things? Is your belief, based on who you think Jesus is, is it influencing those categories of your life? Your hopes, your fears, your dreams, your values, your priorities. This is where John is wanting us to lead to. I uh, read a great kind of synthesis of kind of the hope of what John is trying to accomplish in his gospel. It's by my favorite theologian and author, Dallas Willard. And kind of this is what he writes about the significance and the impact of Jesus on not just humanity, but our own, on our own individual life. This is what Dallas Willard says. He says, I think we finally have to say that Jesus' enduring relevance is based on his historically proven ability to speak to, to heal, and empower the individual human condition. He matters because of what he brought and what he still brings to ordinary human beings, living their ordinary lives and coping daily with their surroundings. Jesus promises wholeness for their lives. And that in sharing our weakness, he gives us strength and imparts through his companionship a life that has the quality of eternity. Jesus, his relevance is based on his historically proven ability to speak to, to heal, and empower the individual human condition. And he imparts upon us a life that has the quality of eternity. This is what John means when he writes, these things are written so that you will believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you will have life in his name. And so that's the hope of this series, is that we get to go on a journey together. Maybe for you, this is the first time that you're going to wrestle with this question, who is this man? For you, this is the first time you're going to begin to ask yourself what it actually means based on the answer that you come to. If Jesus is the Christ and the Messiah and the Son of God, what should that mean for your life, for the categories and the dimensions of your life? Maybe for you, you come to a different conclusion, and that's okay. But the goal of this series is for us to journey together and wrestle with this question. And so we've got a couple of ways that we're going to try to help you wrestle with this question, who is this man, and come to your own sense of knowing, your own sense of belief, so that collectively, together, we can all find life in his name, a life that has an eternal type of quality. The first is just a simple reading plan. So for the next 40 days leading us into Good Friday, we're going to be reading just a little bit of the Gospel of John each day. Each section is no more than just a dozen or two verses. It should only take you a couple of minutes. But this is the first way that we begin to come to know who Jesus is. We begin to uh, understand his motivations, the way that he responds and reacts to situations and to different types of people. And as we begin to understand the way that he does that, it begins to influence maybe how we will begin to do that in these very same situations that we find ourselves in. So I hope that you'll pick up this reading plan. I hope that you'll join us on this daily kind of reading through the Gospel of John. If you've never done a reading plan before, this is the perfect time to start. It's only 40 days. It's only a couple of minutes a day. And at the end, it'll lead you to a place of being able to answer this question for yourself of who is this man. 
And then the others, Allie and I, are going to be leading kind of a weekly Bible study every Wednesday night at 7.30. It's going to be hosted on Zoom so you can participate from wherever you are. And again, it's going to help us dig just a little bit deeper into wrestling with and answering this question, who is this man? Because like I said at the beginning, I think this is the most important question we could ever ask. Because the answer to this question has the potential to impact every part and every category of our life. It has the ability, the answer to this question, who is this man, has the ability to lead us to eternal and abundant life. So my hope and prayer for us is that you'll journey with us over these next several weeks, that you'll begin to wrestle with this question for yourself and in your own life. And ultimately we'll come to this same place of knowing and believing and discovering life in his name. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for this chance to come before you and come together as a community of people, as fellow uh, companions on a journey of discovering who you are and who you are calling us to be in relationship to you. God, impart us to know your grace and your peace in our life. Help equip us to follow you more faithfully each and every day. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.